Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Since you make yourself available, because there are, especially if the minister of the gospel who is leading that meeting is sensitive to the Holy Ghost, there's a way the Holy Spirit will lead. Amen. Now, um, I felt very strongly, and I spent a, uh, a few time in prayers before the Lord where this meeting is concerned. I believe that the next two days, there are going to be mind-blowing move of the Holy Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I said hallelujah. Amen. Now, uh, when we have a, a meeting where the anointed of God is present, you have to learn how to conduct to get the best out of the meeting. Your faith must be expectant. Even though I'll be teaching on the kingdom of God, you must uh, open your heart to receive as the word of the Lord comes forth. Praise God. So, uh, while we were coming to the end of that worship session, I heard in my spirit that tomorrow we're going to, there's going to be an anointing for financial breakthroughs. Praise God. So when you come tomorrow, let your heart be set. I'll teach the word, but at the end, I'll lay hands on everyone for financial favor. Are you going to come in many ways? But tomorrow... Specifically, some of you have never received financial favor for a while. That, that, <laughs> that's going to unblock. Some of you are always giving out. You're not receiving. But something, something will happen. Something will happen. Uh, there's some of you tonight, as you go back home, it will already start before you get into tomorrow morning. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name. We're talking about manifesting the kingdom of God. Manifesting the kingdom of God. Now... Uh, go to First Timothy chapter 3 And I'm going to be reading Three verses there First Timothy chapter 3 To start Introducing this subject Our ministry Now in these three days If you are in this meeting Take a hold of the words That are coming out of my mouth Write them down Take a hold of them. Our ministry is going to spring forth. That's what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Our ministry is going to spring forth. Now, this is what is going to happen. This is what's going to happen. All of a sudden, 
It will seem as if we have not been recognized, we have not been known. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, God is about to cause our fame to spread abroad in this city. All of a sudden. All of a sudden. That's what the Lord is saying. That many words that have been spoken over our local church seems like not very good words. But the Spirit of the Lord is saying that I'm changing that narrative. And beginning from this service, it will just seem as if a new ministry has sprung forth. Glorious things will be spoken of us. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, if you go to um, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, the Bible says, I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. So Paul was communicating certain truths to them by, by later writing, because he, he, he didn't see them. So he's saying, I, I'm, I just want to write these things to you because I'm coming to you soon. But in case I'm delayed, if for any reason I'm delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. Uh, there is a way to conduct yourself in God's house. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know? Now, pay attention to this. I, I, I'm just going to teach and be very reliant on the Holy Spirit. But listen to this. Many times, when we have issues or situations... We feel that if we stay away from the house of God, or if we do not open ourselves up to ministry, we'll solve it. you hear some people say, I just want to take some time out to solve this problem. It's a carnal approach to spiritual matters. I was in a meeting, in a camp meeting in Delta State, and a lady, a young dear sister, had been battling with suicidal thoughts. And as I was ministering, I was led by the Spirit of God to lay my hands on her and just preach, uh, lay my hands on her. And that thought, that whole thing just disappeared, just broke. Now, there are things that you might need to go through 10,000 counseling times for them to go away. You see, but the anointing of the Holy Spirit in one moment can cause those things to be melted. You have to trust that. Now, in a ministry as ours, where we are very emphatic on the teaching of the word, sometimes we cannot know how to relate to the manifested presence of the Holy Ghost. And sometimes you have to be taught on that. Praise God. For instance, when the power of God is in manifestation, and maybe I'm giving a word of knowledge to someone, or... I'm ministering healing to some, someone else, it shows that there is a tangible anointing, the manifested anointing of God in the building. You forget about who I am ministering to. Are you following what I'm saying? You draw on that anointing. You draw on it. And many times, words of knowledge... Or prophetic words or prophetic utterance come to people as they are drawing on that, as they are pulling on it. You you have to learn to pull the anointing of God. Praise God. Are you following this now? So that's how to conduct yourself 
in a meeting where very visible power of the Holy Spirit is present. And then secondly, if you have any issue that you're dealing with, that's the time to present it before the Lord. You'll be amazed at how the Holy Ghost will help you to overcome it. Are you following this now? Praise God. When there are special meetings like this, the Lord specifically gives a word or puts an anointing on his ministers for the congregation. And then the congregation must learn how to take advantage of that. And also, Paul says, let's go on, he says, you know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of truth. Or, the King James Version calls it the pillar and the ground of truth. Now, the church of Jesus is a place where truth is established. And so, one of the things that you must, as a child of God, develop your heart towards is to appreciate the teaching ministry where truth is given. You have to, you have to learn to respond to it properly. You have to learn to take advantage of the teaching of God's word. Because the church was designed to be the pillar and the ground of truth. So, it's in the church that you find truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, you might be sick and the preacher says, by his stripes you are healed. That's the truth. That you're sick is a fact. But the truth is that you're the healed of the Lord. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, it goes on to say, it talks about the mystery of godliness. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. This is the summary of the Christian faith. What is the mystery of godliness? He says, he who was revealed in the flesh, talking about Jesus, was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Hallelujah. In summary, Paul uses one verse of scripture and summarizes the Christian faith. Summarizes the Christian faith. Now, let's look at this. We're talking about manifesting the kingdom. I want to share, if I can, let's see how far I can go tonight, on the kingdom. What's the kingdom? Let's, let's have a brief understanding of the kingdom of God. The word kingdom, in the English word, it means monarchy or realm. A realm. Or, uh, uh, we can say it's a realm... Or a state that's ruled by a king. So, for instance, uh, we've got the Queen of England. So we say, we, we, uh, what do you call? What What is the UK? What is the What is the full meaning of UK? United Kingdom, right? Because the kingdom. Do you say the kingdom of Nigeria? Do you say the kingdom of Nigeria? Some of you are not sure. Do you say the federal kingdom of Nigeria? No. Why? Because we are not ruled by king. Do you say the, the state of Boni? What do you call Boni? The Grand Boni Kingdom. Alright. Why? 
Because you've got your ruler. We've got a ruler. We've got a king. Do you say the kingdom of Port Harcourt <laughs> is wicked, the king of Port Harcourt? He isn't. He's the governor. So you realize that if we use the word kingdom, we are referring to a domain that is ruled by what? A king. So if we, if we without, without much explanation, if we say the kingdom of God, what do you think we're referring to? The kingdom ruled by what? By God. Or God rules in the kingdom. Okay. So we're looking at the kingdom. All right. The kingdom, the Greek word is basilia. Basilia. Uh, the word basilia means sovereignty. The sovereignty which requires the actual presence of a king. Now, it's important to understand that the word basilia, or the, the word kingdom, is, is, is used 162 times in the New Testament alone. The, the word kingdom. The word kingdom is used 162 times. That means there is a lot of reference to this word. But unfortunately, we don't talk much about it. Okay? Now, when you use the word the kingdom of God, remember, the word kingdom is used 162 times. But then we've got what we call the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is used 70 times in the New Testament. The kingdom of God. Kingdom is used 162 times. Kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is used 70 times in the New Testament. And in Matthew alone, in Matthew alone, now pay attention to this, Matthew uses it over 30 times alone. Now, if it is used 17 times in the New Testament, and Matthew uses, 30, 30, uses it 30 times, let's say 30 times, how, what's that percentage, mathematical students? Is it 40%? Is it 40%? 45. <laughs> That's why I didn't like math. So. You see, the whole place is quiet now. Well, how many percent do you think that would be? If we have 70 and then 30, how, how many percent do you think that would be? Maybe between 40 to 45. For 40 points something, you always have points. Eh? Now, it shows that the greater use of the word, the kingdom of God, was used by Matthew. Now, the question is, why did Matthew use it a lot? Why did Matthew use it a lot? And that's a question you've got to study more. And how you would find the answer is what was the audience of Matthew? Who was Matthew writing to? Why was he trying to convince them about the kingdom of God? But let's go on. Uh, if, you, if you separate that word kingdom into two, you would have king and dom. Okay? You have king dom. Okay? The word dom is where you get the word domain from or dominion. So you've got the word kingdom as king's dominion or king's domain. Now pay very close attention to this because this will help you to understand where we're going. Have you followed that up until now? Have you followed that up until now? Alright. Now, what are the four things that makes up a kingdom? Who can, who can take a, an intelligent guess? What do you think should make up a kingdom? Let's look at our kingdom, the Grand Bonnie Island kingdom. 
What do you think makes this a kingdom? Who can help me? What? The fishes? The, the king. Uh, are we, do we agree on that? The king. Alright. Number two? The people or the subjects. Fantastic. Number three? The land or what? The territory. Okay, so that's why we can say the kingdom of Boni and we, won't, we know where it stops. The land. Number four? The what? The culture. Perfect. Perfect. Those are the four things that make up a kingdom. So let's write them down. The first thing, don't just write a king. Don't, don't, don't just write it a king. A living king. Put living there. It's important. Praise God. So, uh, put a living king. Please, put that living there. We, we will need it in our studies. Number one, what are the four things that make up a kingdom? Number one, a living king. Number two, the subjects of the king. The subject of the king or the people. The subject of the king or the people. Number three, the territory to which the kingdom exists in. The territory, the territory to which the kingdom exists in or in which the kingdom exists in. The territory. Must have a territory, must have borders. And number four, are you there? Are you there? Number four, the laws or the culture. The laws or the culture. So there are laws and there are cultures in the mix of the kingdom. I want you to understand this word. Now pay attention to this because when you read... The King James Version or the NIV or the New American Standard Version, you will see sometimes they replace the word kingdom with the word sovereignty. Because they are two interchangeable words. Uh, a, a king has to be sovereign. Let me give you an example. If a king in this land comes up tomorrow, he shouldn't, but if he comes up tomorrow and say, there is no more churches on this land. He just says that. Do you, do you know that because he is king, that word stands? The first thing is all the churches will first of all close before they will start appealing to him. So a king actually is not subject to anybody. It's a king has subject, but he is not subject to anybody. It's important you understand that. So a king at will. There is what you call, because most times as Christians, we don't teach so much on the sovereignty of God. We almost teach like we can predict God. There is the sovereignty of God. God rules in the affairs of men. So, uh, remember King, uh, what's the name of that king now? Vashti's husband. Uh-huh. So you know that your brother. What happened? Just by sitting down, he said, let's change this woman. And that was it. 
So kings have sovereign rule. Now, let's go to Psalm 103 and verse 19. I actually want to teach tonight, my time is gone, but I want to, I want to try to teach tonight about using the image of Daniel to teach on the kingdom. Are you there in Psalm 103, verse 19? Can you give me the King James Version, or let's read the King James Version first, and we will come to the New American Standard Bible. Can you see this? Now, I want you to look at this. Let's read this together. Everyone, look up. Let's read this together. One to go. The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Now, the word throne tells us about the kingdom. About that He's a king. And what is the territory of God's kingdom? It's the heaven and the earth. He rules over all. His throne is established in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Now, if you use the New American Standard Bible, it uses the word his sovereignty. You can go to the New American Standard Bible. It says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Now, the, the, the kingdom of God Let's, I want you to follow me as we go through the image of Daniel. Go to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Daniel chapter 4. And we are going to read from verse 29. And we will stop to verse 40. And I will explain verse 44 actually. So follow me carefully because I want to use the image of Daniel to explain what Jesus meant. Because sometimes we feel, at what point did the kingdom of God come on the earth? Is it something that's going to come? Is the kingdom of God present? Is it something that we can relate to? Can we relate to it? Or is it something that we're waiting for? Now I want to pick out three phrases from the vision of Daniel, but we'll read the whole story, then I'll show you something. Go to Daniel chapter 4 verse 29. Uh, Verse 28 says, all this happens on Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later, uh, sorry, let's let's go to chapter 2. We'll come back here. Let's go to chapter 2. Verse 20, let's see, 31, 31, 31, we'll come back to that place, but let's look at the dream first. Daniel 2, 31, you, O king, you remember, how many of you have read this story, when the king saw uh, the image, have you read it? Daniel, have you read it? Okay, so this is the interpretation now, Daniel is interpreting the king's dream. Okay, yet you, O king, were looking and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue, which was large and of extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold. So remember, the head was gold. So you can write that down. The head was gold. Its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze. 
its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. So there's this image, the head was gold, the breast, the arms and the silver and the belly and the thighs were bronze. The, then he says the legs were iron, then the feet were partly of iron and what? Partly clay. Okay. You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands. The stone was cut out without hands and it struck the statues on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like shaft from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Pay attention to that. Now remember, the scripture says about that stone that, uh, well, you, you'll get it down. Let's read it down. Verse 36, this was the dream. Now I'll tell you his interpretation. Now Daniel is interpreting the dream. You, O king, are the king of kings. Now you must understand that in the Old Testament, the word king of kings, although it's small little there, wasn't actually used for God alone. The dominant king in that time, some people call them king of kings. Why? Because they were kings who were over other kings, smaller kings. Do you follow that now? Alright. That's why the name, let me tell you something. The, the best name you can call God in the New Testament is Father. Any other name you are calling him. There are some other traditional rulers that are taking, if you say my God is a God of fire. The Yorubas have God of fire. Uh, do, do, do you understand what I'm trying to say? If you say, Lord of Lord, King of Kings, Nebuchadnezzar, look at it. He says, you, O King, are the King of Kings. So, Nebuchadnezzar was called King of Kings. Of course, there is small letter there, but you are not going to start worshipping and say, you know, Lord, you are the King of Kings, capital K. You're not going to do that. Are you going to do that? But what I'm trying to tell you is, many times we want to call God by very, very fantastic names we think, ah, this name we are calling God. Nobody had called him that before. The truth of the matter is that in the New Testament, why Jesus died and resurrected is so you can come and say, Abba, Father. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not so you can say, the one who bites teeth, his teeth can bite iron and his teeth will not pain him. No, don't worry. They were, they, were, they were gods who were gods of iron. Are you following this now? Let's read on. It says, To whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. Let's read on. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the beds of the sky, has given them into your hand, and has caused you to rule over them, you are the head of gold. So we know that the head of gold was Nebuchadnezzar. Are you here? The head of gold was who? Nebuchadnezzar. Then he says, And after you there will arise another kingdom, inferior to you. Then another third kingdom of bros, which will rule over the earth. So the vision that Nebuchadnezzar saw were the visions of physical, pay attention to this, physical empires that were going to come. So he says, after you, another kingdom will come up. It will, it, will, um, it will be inferior to you. That was the, the, the head of gold, which was King Nebuchadnezzar, was, was the kingdom of Babylon. Now, the 
chest and the arms of silver which came after Babylon was the kingdom of Medopatia. And after the kingdom of Medopatia came the kingdom of Greece, which was the head, the belly of bronze, was the kingdom of Greece. Now go on. Then there will be a fourth kingdom, verse 40. As strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things, so like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all this in pieces. In that you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom. But it will have in it the toughness of iron, inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of poetry, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle, or some of it will be soft. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men. But they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with poetry. What he's trying to say is, there's going to be a kingdom that will come. It will be tough, but some part of it will be weak. It will be a divided kingdom. It will not mix together, just as iron and clay does not mix together. And what kingdom was he referring to? The Roman Empire. If you're a student of history, you would realize the Roman Empire was tough. But of course, it was divided. Now, why am I reading all of this? How does this connect to you? Or what is the meaning of all this? We're going to the next verses. So you can trace when the kingdom of God started invading the earth. So you realize that the Roman kingdom was the kingdom that was mixed with iron and brittle. It was tough in some places. But it was soft in other places. Now, read on. Verse 44. In the days of those kings, which king is he referring to? The Roman king, the Roman empire. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Pay attention to that. What time, pay very close attention, what time will God set up his kingdom? What time? Did you read it? It's there now. The answer is there. In the days of those kings. What kings? What was the last? The Roman Empire. So pay attention to this. That was why Matthew used the law. Because writing to the Jews. That the, remember, the, the disciples asked Jesus in the book of Acts. Are you going to at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they thought, pay attention to this, that the kingdom would be a physical kingdom. Just as Medopatia conquered Babylon, Greece conquered Medopatia, Rome conquered Greece. They thought when the reference was to be that in the days of that king, the God of heaven would set up a kingdom. They thought when Jesus was coming, he would also conquer just like other kingdoms conquered. That is the number one reason why they missed Jesus. They felt, ah, this one that they will slap, he cannot open his mouth. We're talking about manifesting the kingdom. Because there are many of us that still have that concept of the kingdom of God. 
And so we don't realize that the kingdom is here, that we can live the life of the kingdom. We still have our mindset on a futuristic kingdom. Because that's how most of the church teaches it. Not very conscious of the present reality of the kingdom, most of the church world looks forward to the kingdom of God. But the Bible says, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. It says, and that kingdom he would set up in the days of that king will never be destroyed. And that kingdom would not be left to another people. It will crush and put an end to all this kingdom. Look at this. But it will itself endure forever. That means, after this kingdom that is coming... No other kingdom will come anymore. This is the final kingdom. It will crush all other kingdoms and it will endure forever. Glory to God. Remember, I've always told you that they did not have the New Testament. They did not have, they did not read about Jesus. So they had to read Daniel to be able to picture when Jesus came. Is this So when Jesus refers to himself as the stone which the builders rejected, that have become the chief cornerstone, if they understood Daniel, they would understand that Jesus is that stone. Jesus is that rock, which will come and fill everywhere else. Are you following this? Now, thank you Lord Jesus. Go to verse 45. Inasmuch... As you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without human hands. So this tells us, when Jesus, <laughs> do you remember, I'm just going to rush a couple of things because our time is almost gone. But do you remember when Jesus stood before Pilate and he told him, he says, are you a king? He says, you say so. He says, listen, if, if my kingdom is of this world, I would ask my soldiers to fight for me. It was because this kingdom Although it inhabits humans, it's not sourced from a human place. That's how you realize that Jesus never allowed Peter to cut the ear of Marcos. It was not a natural thing. You see, many of you listening to me, you need to bring your life to that plane where you are functioning in the kingdom. There's so much reliance on the natural things of life. So much reliance. If you're going to manifest the kingdom, you must realize that this new life you have is not with human hands. Are you following what I'm saying? There is no way that God places you to impact His kingdom that you cannot cross your positions. This kingdom is unstoppable. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of mountain without hands, and he crossed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true. And look at, I love this. He says the interpretation is trustworthy. The dream is true. And the interpretation is trustworthy. So the, the Lord showed Nebuchadnezzar how his kingdom was going to be set up. Now let's, let's look at something here very quickly. Go to, let me see if I can summarize this for you so I can do something else. The key phrase is verse 44. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Now, uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us about this kingdom. Uh, He calls it an unshakable kingdom. 
An unshakable kingdom. That's how Hebrews 12, 28 put it. That since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God acceptable service with reverence and awe. It says, let's be grateful because this kingdom is unshakable. Glory to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, know, you, can, you can take that as your nickname, that you are unshakable. The kingdom you belong to, the kingdom you have received is unshakable. Nothing can move you. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. There is a stability in our life. Come hell or high water, there is something in us that makes us strong and unshakable. The storms will come. The storms will pass. The waves of the enemy will come. You know, but we are unshakable. We are unshakable. That's the kingdom we belong to. Inflation will go up, come down. Economy will go up, come down. Situations might go up and come down. But tell your neighbor, we are unshakable. Oh, say it like a minute. Say we are unshakable. You know, some people might not believe it. Why don't you tell yourself, I'm unshakable. It doesn't matter what comes against me. I'm unshakable. Glory to God. It's just good to know that we are unshakable people. It's just good to know that after everything, we'll still be the last man standing. Glory to God. We don't fail. We don't go down. We don't quit. We don't diminish. Because we've received the kingdom that's unshakable. Glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no problem in your life right now that will surmount you. You didn't hear me. I said you didn't hear me. There is nothing you're going through right now that will surmount you. The kingdom that you have on the inside of you is unshakable. Are you hearing this? What you carry, what's inside of you, is unshakable. After all else is said and done, you'll still be standing. Not moved an inch. That's why when they threw the Hebrew boys into the fire, what happened? Oh, come on, what happened? They were unshakable. I, I said they were unshakable. Their fire, their, in fact, the Bible says their clothes did not even smell like they were burnt. You know how hot that fire is? Think of it. Some of you, your rice water burns your body. This fire was heated seven times. The people who threw them into the fire got burned. But because they were part of an unshakable kingdom, they came out of the fire alive. Whatever you're going through, I'll speak over your life this evening, you're coming out alive. I said, you're coming out alive. You will be unshakable. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Now, go to Luke chapter 1, verse 32. Luke 1, 32, we read of the scriptures that uh, Jesus was promised the throne of his father, David. Jesus was promised... The throne of his father, David. Luke chapter 1, verse 32. It says, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Remember, God had promised David that his throne would be for that. He would not lack a man to sit on the throne. 
Pay attention to this. So, uh, David was promised, if you, we don't have the time, but write the scriptures down. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 13. 2 Samuel 7 13. Write all the scriptures down. 2 Samuel 7 13 and 16. 2 Samuel 7 13 and 16. 1 Kings 8 25. 1 Kings 8 25. Psalm 89 verse 29. And Jeremiah 33 verse 17. The Lord promised David. That he would always have a son on the throne. Jeremiah 33, 17. 2 Samuel 7, 13 and 16. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 25. And Psalms chapter 89, verse 29. Now, uh, the Lord promised David that he would always have a king to sit on the throne. So, when all these things began to happen, the Jews were looking... For who is that son? So when they refer to Jesus as the son of David, they were looking, who is the son of David who is going to sit on the throne? Who, 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 is, who is the promised one? Praise God. Now in Luke chapter 1 and verse 33, uh, we read from verse 32. Let's read, let's read from verse 30. You see that the angels spoke using these words. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For those of you who are trusting God for the fruit of the womb, this is God's word to you this evening. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't want to give birth, don't say amen. So you will not say we are, we are I'm telling you now. I told you, when we have special meetings like this, recognize when the anointing of God is present. So if you know you are not trusting God for any child, don't say amen. This is God's word to you. For as many as are trusting God for children, Luke chapter 1 verse 31, first part, is coming to you right now. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a child. And so we come into agreement right now for everyone trusting God for the fruit of the womb right now and those who will listen to these messages in any place in the world that the anointing to be fruitful is released in the mighty name of Jesus. Alright. He says, <laughs> now the amen was very slow. Uh, let's replace that child with a car. Uh, he said, yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the Lord's permission to do that. Alright. So he will be great. And he will be called the son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now look at verse 33. And he would reign over the house of Jacob forever. And look at the last phrase. And his kingdom will have no end. Did you see what he said about the kingdom was the same thing that Daniel saw. That that kingdom is not going to have an end. That means that the kingdom that Jesus would preside over is the same kingdom. Praise God. Now, let me give you one more scripture here so that we can... Tomorrow we'll pick up from here because we're already out of time. Go to Luke chapter 17. Let me just wrap it up here and then we'll pick up from here tomorrow evening. Luke chapter 17 and verse 20 to 21. Now, Luke 17, 20. Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming... So they said, when is the kingdom coming? Let tell us, we want to know. He answered them and said, 
the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. I, 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 don't, I, I, wish, I wish I had time. And you will still find people will turn to Matthew 24 and say that is the sign of the coming kingdom. It cannot be. Matthew 24, Jesus was teaching them about the invasion of Jerusalem. That in AD 70, they were going to come and invade Jerusalem. It, it did not say that was the sign of the end of the world. You must understand the use of the word end of the world. In Bible days, the word end of the world did not just refer to the physical globe. The word there in the Greek is aeon. It speaks of the end of the age. What Jesus was teaching them in Matthew 24 was that the whole sacrificial age was going to come to an end in AD 70. When Jerusalem is invaded. That's why he told them, he says, if you are in the mountain top, don't come down. If you if you're carrying a baby, you're breastfeeding. If you're in the field, don't come back to the city. Because the Romans were going to invade and make it difficult. Jesus already told us. That this will not come with observable signs. That's why, listen to me, I don't care who the preacher is. Anybody that predicts the rapture never gets it. I can show you, right from 1965, when people started predicting. The thing is, when people grow higher in ministry, they come to a place where they just assume that they understand the scriptures. And they just say words. Look at what Jesus says. He says the kingdom right, of God is not coming with signs to be observed. How is it coming? 21. Nor will they say, look, here it is. Or, there it is. They will not be able to point to it. Physically. These are the very words of Jesus. He says, for behold... Look at what Jesus said. What did he say about the kingdom? He says, the kingdom of God is in your midst. This is powerful. This is powerful. He says, the kingdom of God is in your midst. They asked him, when will the kingdom come? He says, the kingdom will not, because they were looking for those signs. Just like the church world today is always looking for signs. Once you hear Ukraine, hey! It's the end of the world. <laughs> huh? Look at it. It says you will not say, there it is. Or, it's here. It says you are asking about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is in your midst already. Because the stone, remember what it says, that in the days of that kingdom, of the Roman kingdom, hmm, God will set up his kingdom. That means, while the Roman kingdom was still existing, was when God was going to use a stone that was caught without human hands to set up his kingdom. That's what God did in Jesus. Do, do you have the amplified version? We've got four more minutes. Do you have the amplified version? Let's read it. We're going to continue from here tomorrow. Praise God. Verse 20. One. Verse 21. 
Look at it. It says, nor will people say, look, here it is. Go to verse 20. Let's read it and we'll close here. The time is gone. Go to verse 20. Asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come. He replied to them by saying, the kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with visible display. That is why, when we talk about manifesting the kingdom, many people miss the kingdom of God. We like visible display. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why you see that if a preacher comes with all the drama, with oh, there's power there. It, we, we just like things we can see. If I lay hands on you and I say, go home, you're anointed. Grace has come upon you. You know, you will not feel it very strongly. Unlike I pray for six bottles and I say, this red bottle works on Monday. This green one works on... Mm-hmm. Say, now we're talking about mysteries in the kingdom. It is the problem we have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, I told you, I said, tomorrow, the Lord had told us that there would be an anointing for financial increase. Now, let me tell you. If I, if I, now, I know you believe. So, this, 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 I'm giving an example with another church. But, you know, if I tell you that whatever is your trade, whatever you use as a sign of your work, bring it to tomorrow. You, you know your faith. You will see people say, it's cutlass I have. I, I'm a farmer. And uh, uh, who cuts grass here? People with grass cut. You know that, let me tell you the truth. There might be the possibilities that will experience more miracles. Because people's faith will already be active. Some of you will bring <laughs> the picture of your boss. Say, this is my problem. If this man dies, financial increase, just kill him. Do you understand? We want a visible... No, no, no. A thousand times no. The spirit of God in the, on the inside of you is unshakable. Learn to relate to invisible things. Hallelujah. You know, let me say this story very quickly. Uh, and we'll talk about... Go to verse 21. Let me tell you. Go to verse 21. Let me tell you. That. It says, Not where people say, Look, here it is. Or see it is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. In your hearts. And among you. Surrounding you. He says, What you're looking for is in your heart. It's even around you. You know, some years ago, the Lord imparted me to a minister... In a dream. So I traveled to the country where his minister is, supernaturally, when they attended one of his meetings. I was not supposed to meet him. He's a big, 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 big man of God. Church is over 20, 25 to 30,000. And supernaturally, by the favor of God, someone just saw me and said, Oh, you came from Nigeria. Oh, you need to meet this bishop. So he just took me there to where the ministers were eating and everything. You know, just said, Oh, this, this pastor came from Nigeria. So the man just, Oh, well, you know, I just told him briefly why I was there. He said, Oh, okay, God bless you. And, you know, and I just went. After many years, maybe a year after many years, about a year after the meeting, I was praying one day and then the Spirit of God began to remind me of that scripture, the impartation that came upon you by the laying on of hands. And I was thinking, I was thinking. So I was remembering all the people that laid hands on me. That, that man's picture did not come to my mind. So the Spirit of God reminded me, what about the encounter you had with this man? And you know, because he did not say, kneel down, raise your hand, close your eye, open your mouth. Lord, what I have, I pour, I pour on him. It didn't look like an invitation. But you see how the Lord taught me. I think I've mentioned it in this church before. You know how the Lord taught me. The Lord just reminded me that. Do you realize that when... Uh, this herbalist and all these people curse people. They don't do it that intentional. They just speak words. And you remember some people say, I just went home and somebody just touched me. This is when that sickness started. 
Have you heard stories like that? Or I just did this. And it says, even for negative things to work, they don't have to press your head. How much more spiritual things? From that day, I began to recognize that that was an impartation. Hallelujah. We all miss it when we look at the visible. There are greater things that will happen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand on our faith. Let's thank the Lord. Oh, fratesh Solomon Sekradishka. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank Him. Oh, speak over your life. You are unshakable. This storm will pass. <laughs> oh, the ministry is unshakable. The church is unshakable. Your marriage is unshakable. Your children are unshakable. Your academics, your job is unshakable. Those of you that they have threatened, oh, we're going to drop you. That's a lie. No, you are unshakable. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lift your voice and just worship. Oh, Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.